0: it is consistently every two hours at the moment. And we've never had that. And I know that there's a sleep regression that happens supposedly at around four months, but I wondered, could this be that sleep regression coming a bit early? And what are the signs and what can I do? Is, is there anything I can do? Or is it just one of those things where I've just got to ride out the wave?
1: We've been following the parenting journey of Cass, first time mum to baby Max for 14 weeks now. This week's challenge is centered around the sleep regression that we start to see at around four months. It's also known as the 17-week sleep regression. Cass asks me whether Max is starting his sleep regression early and what she can do about it and how long it's likely to last. Cass also shares this week's highs, including Max starting to laugh, explore objects with his mouth, and we talk about the best toys for babies of four to six months old. Keep listening for this week's mostly highs and a couple of lows through the eyes of Cass and Max.
2: Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by Parent Sense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT infant specialist and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Mechia every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host.
1: Hello, mums and dads. It is so good to have you back again. And I am loving our weekly chats with real mums, exploring the weekly highs and lows of parenthood. And as you know, each week I'm joined by a parent and I share my years of experience as an OT and an author of eight parenting books with mums who've really got their own sense. And this week, as we do many weeks, we have Cassidy joining us. And it's always such a pleasure to hear about Max's journey. We've been tracking little Max from the week after he was born and had quite a tricky birth. So if you haven't heard about that start, actually had a fabulous birth, but not a great first week. So if you haven't heard that episode, do go back and listen to it. It's episode two. And we've been tracking Max every single week. And Cass brings her ideas and her thoughts and her questions. And we kind of are following a. parenting journey through actually what most of you will be going through as well so what Cass experiences each week is very typical in the week for that baby so most babies smile for instance at six weeks Max actually did it a little early Mm. but Max now is 14 weeks old Cass and we're just loving following your journey so thank you for being back with us
0: oh thank you no it's great it's great to share it and it's a wonderful documentation of Max's first year or weeks and, and that sort of thing looking back and listening to them is so lovely
1: yeah it is it really is special i mean you you mentioned to me that when you listened back to that very first week you realized how much anxiety there was as a first time mum
0: yeah and it was really interesting for me listening to that because i sounded really hard in my voice i felt and i think it was because i was just coping i'd been it was such a stressful first week and you can't Let the emotions get the better of you. You've just got to get through it. But I then could hear when I listened back in my voice, how I'd kind of gone into this quite hard coping world and how as time's gone on, I hope, well, I think I sound a bit more relaxed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, well, I think as we both are discovering, or you discovering, and I certainly know as a mom of three, each week is different. And sometimes, like when you just when you think you're on top of it and now you can be relaxed and you know what you're doing, they go and throw a little curveball, and they just change the routines, or they start waking up at night again, or they get grisly. And so that's part and parcel of parenting, going through all of these different stages and so on. Definitely,
0: but one thing I. I am learning as that time goes on is that it is usually just a phase. Mm. I'm seeing more and more evidence. We spoke a few weeks ago about he was really fussy when he was eating. Mm. I was really struggling with his day feeding and that's past. He's now Mm. actually seems to be going through wanting food nearly all the time. And just now I sort of was looking at the clock thinking you can't be hungry, but you've got a clean nappy. You've just woken up. We were (laughs) really grizzly. And I picked him up and he started rooting for my boob through my yeah. jumper. And I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he's he's making up for lost time, I think.
1: It's so interesting that you say that, and I just want to pick up on it, is that noticing that things are not permanent and that it's just a phase. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're in the middle of something, it feels like it's going to be like that for, forever, mm. but actually knowing that it's a phase, that babies will move through it is actually very, very important as a new mum. So I always always heard this in psychology that you should always finish a problem with a statement like for now or for today. So Max is really grisly for today or mm. for now, you know, and when you finish a st- sentence like that, it, just increases the awareness in yourself and the consciousness that actually these are phases that they do move through.
0: Definitely. And I think it, it does make it so much easier. And talking of phases, his current phase (laughs) is we, Now, I I was going to ask you, actually, if there's a chance this is the upcoming sleep progression that is happening, because as you know, Max has always done that longer stretch at the start of the night. He went through quite a nice period of doing seven to eight hours as that longer stretch. Yeah. He now can't really do more than four in that initial um, stage. And then he is currently waking up every two hours. Not necessarily for, I'm not feeding him every two hours, just having to resettle him So for example, last night he woke up um, and I just picked him up, gave him a bit of a wind and then put the dummy in and resettled him. And he did fall back to sleep quite quickly, thank goodness, because I know Mm. that doesn't happen for a lot, but it is consistently every two hours at the moment. And we've never Mm. had that. And I know that there's a sleep regression that happens supposedly at around four months, but I wondered, could this be that sleep regression coming a bit early and what are the signs and what can I do? Yeah, is, is there anything I can do or is it just one of those things where I'm just gonna ride out the wave?
1: Yeah, brilliant. I love that question. So first of all, you know, I think in any parenting advice, and this goes for the advice that I give as a parenting expert and any other parenting expert, people like to latch onto things that become rules. So here's an example, 17-week sleep regression. It has become a thing that is a rule, like all babies at 17 weeks have this sleep regression. And of course that hangs over every mother's head from about 10 weeks wondering (laughs) how am I gonna cope with this? The other thing that's interesting, and I'll come back to 17 Week Sleep Progressions, and it's actually one that came up this week from somebody, They phoned a nurse actually phoned me and she said, have you heard about these things called leaps? And of course I've heard about leaps because many people have, but leaps are exactly the same. Things don't happen textbook. And often we kind of latch on and we say, well, they're grisly and therefore it must be a leap or they, they wake you up at night and therefore it must be a 17 week sleep progression. But the truth is that nothing really is cast in stone. I mean, even developmental milestones, like I mentioned, the milestone of sleep, of smiling, which is a fairly hardwired milestone. Even that doesn't always happen on exactly six weeks. It can happen between four and seven weeks. So By and large, everything that you've heard happens within the context of of a baby's life and therefore flexibility. So the 17-week sleep regression can most certainly start earlier. And um, we do see little ones start from about 14 weeks onwards going through that. And so let's talk about the 17-week sleep regression. Let's talk about, first of all, what what causes it and then secondly, what we can do about it. Um, The fact that he is waking after four hours and then two hours thereafter probably does mean that this is it and it isn't going to necessarily last to 17. Weeks. But what happens now is very instrumental in what happens long term. So there was research that I've mentioned before in, in one of our podcasts by Anders, where he looked at good sleepers and they found that good sleepers establish their good sleep between five and seven months. And so it is quite a pivotal life stage for establishing good sleep habits, which doesn't really help us. makes us more anxious because now there's a whole lot of pressure, (laughs) but there are a couple of reasons why babies do it. So as I always just start with the basic needs and the first basic need is obviously nutrition. So Always start with ruling out health, obviously, before nutrition. So that would be something like reflux that could cause a a baby who has been an otherwise good sleeper to suddenly become a poor sleeper. That is definitely something that always hangs at the back of my head. So if a little one, for instance, has reflux and is um, positing, or you just notice that they're swallowing more after a feed than they did before. So in other words, they finish their feed and they kind of look like they're swallowing down a bit of milk curds afterwards. That can be reflux. And most reflux is completely fine for them to get through. But for some babies, that'll cause them to wake up regularly at night if it causes an esophagitis or a little irritation on their esophagus. So step one, rule that out. And the other one, just in terms of health, because of all the bugs that are flying around at the moment is if they've had a snotty nose, that can sometimes also cause a little bit of glue ear. It's not an ear infection, it's just pressure behind the eardrum, and that can also cause them to wake more regularly. So starting with the basics with Max, you're gonna wanna rule out those two on a health level. Once those have ruled out, then we go on to the basic of of nutrition. And nutrition, what's difficult is that when they do start to wake up that regularly, it's very hard to settle them any other way, number one. And number two, at the back of our head, we're going, well, maybe they're hungry. And obviously, number three is that you cannot introduce solids at this age. It's too, too young. And so we can't start to think, okay, they're hungry, therefore they need solids. So therefore, milk is the solution. So my suggestion with that is to try to still maintain not offering a feed before 11 or 12 at night and to keep that long stretch. And so then you will be using strategies and and this is for babies who are gaining weight well, which I know Max is. And for mums whose babies are not gaining weight well, you would maybe have a a feed before 12. But for Max, he is gaining weight well. He doesn't need to go back to four hourly feeds at night at all. And so I would be pushing him till 11 or 12 and I'd be doing that with water at this age. Okay. So offer him a little bit of water. Maybe the first time he wakes, you can try with patting or dummy. But the second time he wakes, if it's before 12 as well, offer him water. And he'll protest a little bit. I um, like to offer water in a bottle that you would normally offer milk in. And I also like to offer water um, that's kind of at warmish temperature, so lukewarm. So what I would do is I'd actually boil the water before bedtime pop it next to your bed. It'll cool down by the time it's 10 o'clock. Check the temperature, obviously, but it will be cool enough. And just offer that cool boiled water or lukewarm boiled water and see if you can get them through to 11 or 12. And that's for an otherwise thriving, healthy baby who's going through this patch. And then the next time he wakes, which let's say is then 12, you would offer a feed. Now, the reason for that is that he's still too little to go for very long stretches without milk at night. Some babies do, by the way, but for many babies, they don't. And especially that he's not on solids. And this is all the way through till six months of of age where if they're not on full solids, and in other words, good protein and so on, we can expect for them to wake at least once at night. So that would, you know, as they get older, it'll move from 12 to one, to two, to three and so on. But for now, if that's happening between 12 and one, I would give him the feed. And then again, I would expect three hours. And so if he wakes again, I would then try and see if I can push him through to the next to the next feed of three hours. The other thing that's important to say with feeds is that sometimes if there's a lot of very regular day feeds happening, it actually impacts night feeds. So what sometimes happens is when they're going through this patch, we think, okay, they're, they're demanding Feeds every two hours in the day. And so we increase that because we think, well, maybe it's a growth spurt. Maybe that's what's happening. But that very frequent feeding during the day actually doesn't necessarily fill them up properly and can cause them to actually wake more regularly at night. So I would still be aiming for your three and a half hours in the day, three to three and a half hours, and then going for that one stretch of six hours in the evening. So till 11 or 12, you know, five to six hours, and then offering water before that.
0: Okay. So, because, so for example, last night he woke up at 11, having gone down at 6.30. So that was four and a half hours. What would you suggest? Because that's sort of that in-between stage of the water milk situation. Was that the first
1: time he worked? Yeah. First time he worked, I probably will offer comfort rather first. Okay. And then give him the first, and then he'd probably go through till half past 12 and then, or one even, and then offer the next one then.
0: Okay. So don't offer the f- milk feed um, at four and a half hours. No, no. yeah, okay. okay. No, I wouldn't offer the milk feed at that time. Yeah. Because he is feeding then and really feeding, but yeah, he used to be going a lot longer, obviously, without needing a feed. So.
1: If you enjoy my podcast, I would like to share one of my favorite podcasts with you, The Honest Hour. Christina Mazurek is mom to two boys and a third little boy on the way. She's an American expat living in Cape Town, South Africa since 2008 and decided to start sharing her experiences in parenting since 2017. Having grown up in a dysfunctional family environment in her own childhood, which led to her adoption at the age of 10, Christina is passionate about finding purpose and presence in parenting, as well as exploring our own opportunity for healing and personal growth as we navigate the world of parenting our own children. Christina believes in ending the trauma cycle and that in parenting our own children, we can learn how to reparent ourselves. So pop on over to Christina's podcast, The Honest Hour no i think for all of the mums going through the 17 sleep regress- 17 week sleep regression the first thing is that you just need to be very conscious of not falling into the trap of feeding at every opportunity mm-hmm. and that's you know a couple of things, because the third thing that happens with the 17 weeks deep progression, which is a which is probably the bigger piece, is that it's actually a developmental shift rather than a nutritional shift. And that developmental shift is that they need to learn to self soothe. And the concept of self soothing is it's complicated in that babies under this age really can't self soothe very well because they've got all those reflexes that move their hands away from midline. They've got their ATNR reflex. They've just got and then they've got all their basic needs and their sensory needs, so they don't self soothe. From this age, it's now a process of coaching them towards self-soothing. So self-soothing is not something where you say, right, tonight you're going to self-soothe. I'm not going to respond. So get on with it on your own. It's definitely not. So it is coming alongside them like you would with a, a five-year-old who you're teaching to read or um, a 17-year-old who you're teaching to drive. You don't just let them loose on the road. You 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 really sit with them and take them through it. So it's leaving him for very small incre- increments of time when he wakes. So when he wakes, listen. And I know you're very good at doing that, Cass, where you just listen for five minutes before you respond to him at night. And sometimes they surprise us and resettle themselves. Mm. And then when they haven't done that, going in and trying other strategies, like for instance, patting, turning them on their side, stroking their head, bringing their hands to midline. Those are all good strategies that he can use independently, aside from the stroking his head. And then the dummy. So let's talk about the dummy because we, you know, one of the things that was probably at the back of your mind is what happens if I'm starting dummy habits. Mm. And you know, that's why I say before you go in with the dummy, try the other strategies where you can just pat them, bring their hands to midline, re-swaddle if they're little enough. He's not. Um, turn them on their side if that's their preferred sleeping position. So try all the other strategies. And then if that doesn't work, pop the dummy in. Now, obviously with the dummy, we do run the risk of that becoming a habit. And that's why I don't like the idea of, of dummies throughout the night. So we don't go like dummy at 11, 12, 1, 2, mm-hmm. in order to get them to five o'clock in the morning, because otherwise we do get develop habits. But for one dummy in between each feed, that's absolutely fine.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because yesterday and last night, and this has kind of been the pattern, He woke up at 11, did a good feed and then he woke up two hours later, but I didn't offer him the boob. I -hmm. just, I picked him up. He did do a burp which he never really used to, but Mm -hmm. he did. And then I put, and then I did put the dummy in and put him down. He went Mm -hmm. straight to sleep Mm -hmm. and the dummy came out quite quickly, but he was asleep by then. But then that was the only time he needed the dummy in the night um, because he then woke up two hours later. But by that stage, it had been four hours since his last feed. And so I gave him another feed and then he went through till six. That's perfect. Yeah. So, and the thing is, I know that it's still not that bad. That's the equivalent of two feeds Mm. in the night and Mm. an extra wake up for winding. Correct. Which really isn't that bad at all, but it is compared. He was down to one wake up nearly at the end of the Mm. night Anyway, at three o'clock. He was sort of going Mm. through from seven till three.
1: Yeah. And that's classic sleep progression stuff because, you know, we, we kind of get them there and each night, look, the trend had been getting better and better. And the Mm. trend is pulled back and that's why it's a regression. And, you know, so you would have had some, and I know from the podcasts, you have had some bad nights in between, but the trend Mm. was good. And Mm. that's why this is frightening because it's gone backwards and we sleep deprived and we're thinking, oh, I can't go back to the way I was 12 weeks ago because I can't do this journey again because it's so exhausting. Um, And you will have nights that are worse than just the two feeds, um, Mm. but actually the two feeds are correct at this age. And what you'll find is that within the next month or six weeks, you'll, probably want to introduce solids and that'll shift it out again. Um, So for the meantime, now, you're probably looking at an average of two night feeds. Mm -hmm. Some nights you will only get one and some nights you will end up having to do three, which will be very frustrating nights where he just won't settle. And Mm -hmm. I think having that sort of expectation level will help you to cope emotionally with it because it's also the emotional toll that comes in now.
0: Yeah. And the other thing that I've really focused on is seeing the changes in him in the day. So I'm Mm. seeing his developmental changes. He started actually laughing now, which is a really exciting time. Daddy was giving him bath time and he was making funny faces and there was a real chuckle coming through, which was really (laughs) lovely. That's wonderful. He's, started putting, when he has something, he puts it to his mouth. So he's got a teething toy that we now give him, even though it's not teething, but he loves to put it in his mouth. Anything just goes straight into his mouth, which is a new brilliant development.
1: So Cass, I mean, on that, um, it would be mm. quite nice for us all to hear. Tell, tell us Max's top four favorite to- toys right now. So in the current stage, what are the four things that you think that all mums should have for their little ones? So he, Okay. <laughs> He's got, it depends on the time of day, but he's got,
0: he loves his bath time finger puppets, finger puppets in general, actually, finger puppets in general, but we have some flannel ones at bath time, which he just loves. Love it. He, he's he got a toy on his play arch that's a monkey with a face. Now, whether it's the face, I don't know, but he loves the monkey. As soon as he sees the monkey, it's like he's been reunited with his best friend. I love it. <laughs> so, and then this. I, I mean I, I wouldn't know if he necessarily loves the toy, but he loves this giraffe teething toy. It's sort of in the shape of a giraffe. I'm not sure Sophie. What, um, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah,
1: so we all love Sophie. I'll tell you about Sophie.
0: <laughs> and he's loving sort of putting that in his mouth and chewing on and discovering it. And he makes really funny faces when the sort of head goes in and that's got a texture on the top of the head that he's but he's not used to. But it's really uh he loves that. And he also is loving books really engaging with books you you can open a book on the first page and his face will just light up and he's got one where he's discovering the ocean any book and then there's another one that's got a lion and there's this one page where this lion cub is with his daddy lion and the daddy lion's doing a massive yawn and every time you open it on that page he just finds it so funny I don't know what on that page is making him laugh but he loves that particular page so
2: yeah this episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting.
1: So I've written down all of those toys, and I want to just go through them one by one. Um, by the way, I mean you've literally hit the nail on the head with the toys for a four to six-month-old. It's there's a lit- literally perfect. So so let's look at each of those. So first of all, the finger puppets. That was always one of my kid's favorite ones, and I love the ones with gloves. Um, you can't often find them because sometimes you get the individual finger puppets, but with the glove ones, you know, you can do so much more. And what's great about those is that it actually improves not just their verbal skills, but their auditory and language as well, because inevitably when you've got a finger puppet on your hand as an adult, you're going to tell a story about it. So this is the duck and this is what the duck says, or, you know, this is the monkey. And so language and visual skills, fabulous for for finger puppets. So that was a, that's a great one. Faces, you know, newborns are totally wired for faces. In fact, I don't know if you know about this research, cast where, they took a, a paper plate and on this paper plate, they drew three circles in a configuration of a triangle. So two at the top and one at the bottom. And they showed it to babies, um, newborns that, and obviously that's a face configuration, two eyes and a mouth. And the baby was fascinated, interested, didn't take their eyes off it really, you know, really wanted to engage. And then they turned the paper plate upside down. So one dot at the top and two down at the bottom, just a triangle, no face. And they lost interest immediately. And so babies are absolutely hardwired for faces. So the fact that he's focusing in on the monkey on his little mobile is, is spot on. And so that's certainly something that we definitely see in little ones because they are socially wired. And we know that Max is very socially wired. So- It completely makes sense. Then Sophie the Giraffe. Well, we all love Sophie the Giraffe. I don't know how they got it right. I mean, it's a massive company now. It came out of France and they got it right. They got it spot on because babies worldwide absolutely love Sophie the Giraffe. It's a great texture, it's soft. I think the fact that it's got a long neck means that they can kind of get their little hands around the neck piece. But the fact that it's got little feet coming out and also ears and and a nose means that they can get their little mouths around interesting bits and pieces. And so a Sophie the giraffe is an absolute essential in any four to six-month-old toy repertoire for sure. And then a couple, and then of course you mentioned the books and of course books are just so important. We actually also with our little ones started reading them stories at night, every single night from the time they were four months old. It was part of our bedtime routine. Clearly they don't understand anything. They're not even really able to yet turn pages or anything, but they just are hearing language and um, seeing language associated with pictures. So, and then also having part of a bedtime routine. So that's- I was just going to ask on that because I didn't-
0: I. He's really engaged in the day when we're looking at books, mm. but I didn't know, was it too much sensory sort of overload Simulation. just before? bed? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's a really good question. So certainly not before four months because that's a time of day when sensory overload is is at a peak. But if he's had a good rest, so, let, so let's say his awake time is actually what it should be and he's had a good rest kind of in the late afternoon, which some days will happen, some days won't. But on the days that it happens, then I would actually use a book as part of bedtime routine. I would be less animated with it maybe and just put it in as part of a bedtime routine and then watch what happens because if it wires him and he's overstimulated, then remove it again. But between four Four and six months, you will start to bring it in as part of a bedtime routine.
0: And when is but Because he has his bath, and then would it be before his feed? Do the yeah,
1: book? Yeah, 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 So you just you you would you know, change him, you'd remove mobile from over his cut, from over his um, changing mat at that time, and then you do do your little story together in the in the dim, and then play your lullabies, and then you know give him his last feed, and then off to bed.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I mentioned last week about feeding to sleep, which um, we have confirmed we're not feeding him to sleep, but sometimes during the winding process in the middle of the night, his head will get heavier and heavier and he does fall asleep during that winding. So I'm not always able to put him down sort of drowsy in a way in the daytime. He's getting really good at self-soothing takes him about 10 minutes uh, after he's put down as long as I get my timing. Right. But in, in at night is, should I be trying to avoid winding him to sleep? Or should I be waking him after winding or or is it okay?
1: So um I would just st- pull back the time that you're actually winding him so that it's less comforting. So, I mean, a wi- winding process by this age can be very short. I mean, even okay. if you recall it as a newborn, I said limited to five minutes mm. and that was because we didn't want to overstimulate them. But at this age, you can put it back to two minutes. Generally, they're they, they oh. get very good at this age of just bringing it up on their own. And, you know, I would experiment with it from tonight. If he wakes after 15 minutes uncomfortable with the burp, then just pick him up and put him back down again. And the next night, you know, you've got to wind him for longer. But by and large, by this age, winds are really not a problem for them.
0: Oh, that is such, it, honestly, that when I am so tired in the middle of the night, I keep checking how long has it been? And invariably
1: I check oh, at two minutes, three minutes, yeah. <laughs> my yeah, eyes are getting heavy. Definitely pop him down from tonight. I would definitely do that and see, okay, great. See how he does. It's a little bit like teething. Like teething gets this terrible rap for getting all the blame for everything that goes wrong cranky baby, going off food, poo, nappies, waking up at night. And it's actually not so because teething really only takes a night or two around the eruption of the tooth. And it only happens after six months, as we've discussed before. Mm. And in a similar way, you know, it, winding actually is the same in that we think we've got to chase these winds at all costs. And, you know, mums will say to me, my baby's such a windy baby. I've got to, you know, chase the wind for 45 minutes at night, particularly mums of newborns. But actually often if we just experiment with it and just stop winding them, they're actually yeah. absolutely fine. And by the way, for your next baby, you won't be winding that long because yeah. you know, you've know you got a whole lot of other stuff that's going on. So yeah. Um, yeah, I would definitely pull it back a little bit now.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, because I mean, he does tend to, even in the day, he tends to do a couple of big births quite quickly and then nothing's really happening after that. So that does sound like it, yeah, it yeah. makes absolute sense, job, but I yeah. I agree with you. I, you everything you see, is sort of, if you don't win them, you'll be up all night and things like that. So, uh, okay, that's great. True. Yeah, so oh, yeah. that is going to be
1: just tonight.
0: Change. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> do you manage to fall back asleep immediately once you finish the feed at night, or do you? Does it take your time?
0: No, I, I do if he has. So if he's being a bit grisly, then I'll just yeah. sit and watch. But usually I can, I'm, I'm yeah. similar to him. Yeah. Once we've done what we need to do, <laughs> we go That's back lucky. to sleep.
1: So one of the tips for mums who don't, because I mean, that does happen, especially for those of us, when we go back to work, we start to like tick all the boxes for work in the middle of the night, which is very frustrating. And I love rescue remedy. Um, and you can, it's pretty widely available worldwide and rescue remedy is great. You know, I used to take three drops as soon as I got back into bed straight after a, a feed because it just would help me to switch off and and kind of stop the whirring mind so I think at the moment I,
0: I'm so tired <laughs> it's, not, it's not luckily we're actually having to stay with my parents at the moment and so my mum and dad take him in the afternoon and I get a, an hour's sleep which is a massive game changer
1: you know I tell you it's one of those things that you know people get very frustrated and you see memes all over the place of like people get Irritated when you say sleep when the baby sleeps because people think like, no, I'm not going to do that, and it's irritating when people say that. And so I, I hate saying it to new moms, but the truth is that actually just one sleep a day, just one like sleep cycle, forty five minutes to an hour and a half is just enough to get you through. And I do believe in day sleeps.
0: Yeah, I I do struggle to sleep in the day, so that is you know when I go up, it does take me a while, but. Mm. And I think if, so if it was only Try the the
1: rescue five remedy.
0: yeah, if it really? was the only, f- I would have to. Yeah, I definitely will. When I go back mm-hmm. home, I think that's going to have to be a must, but, but yeah, that's been the week so far. The other thing he, he, I have noticed is he is making so many more noises now yeah. and including communicating. He never really communicated if he was upset or angry to, or yeah. bored or hungry. So I had to play a bit of a guessing game because yeah. he, he was But he's starting to read. I mean, if Max doesn't want something to happen, boy, does the whole house know about it, (laughs) which I'm really enjoying. He's he's really communicating with us. And so that's been that's been a development. And the great thing that happened yesterday, which I'm really excited about, was I was um, having we were having a cup of tea and a piece of cake. And he was looking at me, really watching me eat and drink, which is a really exciting time because I know that is starting the path towards weaning.
1: Correct, absolutely. It's one of the social signals we look for. So when we start to look for weaning, and we'll talk that about that in a couple mm. of weeks' time, but we look at motor. We look at motor reasons. We look at reflexes. We look at nutritional needs, and then the other one is we look at social. And social is exactly that: watching things go to your mouth. So you'll find when you're sitting with him at the table, when you're eating a Sunday lunch or whatever it is, you he'll watch you take that chicken bone up to your your mouth, and that's really how weaning does start. And I rem- I'll recall with my firstborn, I was quite an anxious mum. I wanted to do things by the book. I did not want to introduce solids before four months. Um, in those days, that was, thank goodness, the advice. It, it swung to six months at some point, and now it's back at four months. But that stage, it was four months. And I'll never forget being at a Christmas, at a, not a Christmas lunch, a Sunday lunch with my mum in law And she's an incredible granny. And he was sitting, James was sitting on her lap and she had a drumstick and she just handed it to him. And uh, it had no meat on it. It was just, the drum, drum bone and the, 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 you know, drumstick bone, and he started to gnaw on it. And of course I completely panicked, yeah. don't give him solids at this age, <laughs> but actually I think if you went back kind of 300 years, that's exactly how weaning would have started yeah. not actually eating anything, but just gnawing on a drumstick bone. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> so it's wonderful that he started to notice that. And it's amazing that he's showing you the language as well, because that's just at such an exciting stage they when they start to babble and actually be able to communicate with new sounds
0: yeah and it's it's really useful
1: That's, that's true I'm learning until, a lot about him I mean it's interesting until this age you've had to rely on watching his signals which can mm. be a little bit of a guessing game um, yeah and I mean, the clock and the <laughs> clock exactly and that exactly Cass perfect that you pointed that out that those two things become your friend because you need mm. to try and work out what could be what could he be saying exactly. what is he ready for yeah well Cass as always I have loved our chats I love the way we're documenting little Max's development yeah. through the year. it's very special and thank you for sharing with all the other mums too Thank you so much, Meg. Lovely to chat. Cheers, Cass. Thanks, Meg. Bye. Bye.
2: Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.